the city of Port Harcourt, Kingdom Life Camp Meeting, Grace and Anointing, walking in God's kingdom assignment for your life. God bless you. All right, praise the Lord. I'm going to continue from where I stopped in the morning. And um, I hope to touch a few things. But like I said, Second um, Corinthians 1, verse 20, 21, and 22 will tell us something. Second Corinthians chapter 1, looking at it from verse 20, and this is what he said. Romans 20. It said, For all the promises, 2 Corinthians 1 20, for all the promises of God in him that is in Christ are yea and in me, amen. Unto the glory of God by us. By us. Hallelujah. And then the next thing he said, verse 21. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ. And at what? Anointed us is God. He will establish us with you in Christ. And anointed us that we, the believers, anointed is God Himself. Who had also sealed us and given us the endness of the spirit in our hearts. Praise the Lord. And Pastor Mike said something in the morning and uh, my brain also kind of touched it. But let me show you something. Where your salvation really begins, where it lies, and where all of these things are supposed to be functioning in. Uh, go with me to John chapter 3. Let's look at it, verse number 6. John 3, verse number 6. Praise the Lord. I just want to show you this. That which is born of the flesh. Remember, he said you must be born again. Very good. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, I need you to look at this. Spirit, spirit. One is capital letter, one is small letter. Have you noticed that? We'll come back here. Give me Proverbs 20, 27. Because it talks about who has sealed us and given us the endless of the Spirit in our hearts. Look at this. The Spirit, small letter, of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candor of the Lord. So go back to John 3, 6, 16. I'm just 3, 6. Now. What do you find there? Back again to John chapter 3, verse number 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What do you understand from this now? The aspect of you that is born again is the spirit by the Holy Spirit. This is what he mean by we being sealed. So your spirit is sealed. Nothing can go there. 
Are you there with me? The aspect of you, if I want to paraphrase, the aspect of you that is born by the Holy Spirit is your human spirit. That's all. So when you say you are born again, we are talking about your human spirit, which is a candle of the Lord, having received light by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be born again. The difference between you and the man in the street is the man in the street has his spirit, which is the candle, but there's no light in his candle. Do you understand this? Now when light comes into your candle, you become the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The light begins to flow from your spirit to your soul realm. So your transformation is taking place in your soul, affecting your mind, your will, your emotion, and your intellect. But it's coming from the spirit. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. So, I just read out to show you this, that we are anointed by God. According to 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22. We are anointed by God and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Is that okay? So, First Corinthians also tells you the same thing, chapter 3, 6. It says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Is that okay? Right. The union, you become united, joined to the Lord. It's like a wedding ceremony. And the truth is, you're not waiting for a wedding day. The wedding day took place when you're born again. With your spirit. That's why you become the bride of Christ. Are you there with me? So let's go back again to where we stop. Just continuing from there. That Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. I don't know if we have this from... Um, if we have, do you have the good news? If you have the good news, I would like us to read that verse 18 from the good news. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And I will show you where this thing comes from. Do you have it in good news? Oh, good news translation. Okay, Living Bible. Do you have Living Bible? Let me see if I'll be able to... But this one is okay... Let's read this first. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has what? Chosen me. What do you think, King James? Anointed me. So anointing equals being chosen. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Good. It's not it's not service thing. It's a choice of God. Do you get that? Look at that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because what? He has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. The word anointing actually means the choice of God. You have been chosen for a specific assignment. That's what it means to be anointed. So when you say you are anointed, just like we have shown before in the case of, uh, what do you call him? Um, Cyrus, King Cyrus. Remember that? Right. I call the anointed. He chose him for an assignment. And look at what Jesus told the disciples. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you that you may bring forth fruit. Can you remember that? So every Christian is a choice one of God. Meaning every Christian is anointed one of God. You've got to get this right. So the anointing is not for one big man on television. The anointing is not for the Pope that we escape. It's for every believer. As long as we are a choice of God. God chose you for a specific assignment. So here, we find that Jesus was chosen for a specific assignment. Is that okay? Is it making sense to you? 
Do we have it in, do you have any other translation? Simpler one? I just want you to look at that one. King James uses the word anointing, anointing. So it's confusing us. And we say, those in the marketplace are not anointed. Those who are not, except you are carrying the Bible and stand the pulpit, that's the only anointed man of God. And that's why people say, touch not the anointed. What do you think they are talking about? Touch not the anointed? Jesus, God used that for the whole of Israel. And he used that for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just like I was trying to show you. When Laban was trying to go to stop Jacob, God said, when you get there, say nothing. Neither yes or no, don't say to the right or the left. That's what he mean by touch no man anointed. When Abraham goes down to the case of Abimelech, like I was trying to illustrate to you from Genesis 20, the same thing, touch no man anointed. Then the whole Israel as a community, touch no man anointed. Why? Because God chose his people to himself. So it's not a statement for somebody to intimidate you. If you talk to me, don't you know I'm anointed man of God? And then I'll place the curse on you. It's a lie. Every one of us is anointed. But we have grace that differs. Is that okay? God's spirit is on me. He has chosen me. The same word. Are you getting that? But if you read from the living Bible, it says, He has appointed me. And that's the one I really love. So the word anointed is equal the word chosen, is equal the word appointed. Are you getting that? So the appointment God gave to you equals your assignment. Do this for me. That's the anointing. Very simple. Praise the living God. I want you to get that so that you don't get confused. Now, let me show you something. If you look at the catalog of what um, the Lord said here, and I want you to compare with the scripture you try to find out from me. Isaiah 60. Because you see, the Bible says, chapter 7, verse 17, when he got to the temple, they gave him the book. And he opened to the place in Isaiah. What place was that? Isaiah 61. Let's go there. And verse 1 or 2. Now I want to show you something which is very, very important. Isaiah chapter 61. That is where you opened to. Are you there? Good. Look at that. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is where he opened. Because the Lord has anointed me. Now, we already know what that, month, that word stands for. Good. To preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To preach as liberty to the captive. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Go to the next verse. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now look at this. And the day of vengeance of God to comfort all the more. Now, when he quoted that place, when he got to the place of acceptable year of the Lord, he closed the book. He is not saying to produce a plan of vengeance. That is not part of his assignment. So he closed the book. So if you go back to Luke chapter 4 now, and you read verse 8, I mean not 18, you will see the day of vengeance. He came for redemption. He didn't come for vengeance. So your your anointing has a boundary. I don't know if you're getting this. Your assignment has a scope. <laughs> now let, let me show you something now. Go with me now to Luke chapter 9. I'll show you why he didn't have to pull that there because he came for redemption. You know, it's like... <laughs> The blood of Abel was crying for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus called for forgiveness. Yes, sir. Two different bloods speaking. 
Is that okay? Luke chapter 9, give me verse 51 and up to 53. We'll read up to 53. Luke chapter 1. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 52. And sent messengers before his face and okay. before his face and he went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. What was the next thing? And they did not receive him because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. Go on now. Just move on. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, without that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did. Look at the mentality. Now look at the response of Jesus. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. What's the next thing? And he said, for the son of man is not come to do what? Destroy men's lives. No vengeance in his, in his curriculum. No vengeance in his scheme of work. It's not there. Son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went to another village. Did you get the point now? It's not part of his anointing to destroy people's lives, to call them fire from heaven. You know, some of you would do that. Maybe that's part of your scheme. I don't know. Praise the living God. Did you follow that? So that's the point. They wanted to operate like Elijah did, calling fire to come down to consume the 50, 50 bonds, which are the Pentecostals. You know. But he said, no, I didn't come for that. I came to save men, to redeem men, to give them life, not to destroy men's life. I think we should be carrying on with the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not called to destroy people's life. We are called to save men. Is that okay? Somebody will ask me, what are you talking about? What about if you know an enemy and you know this is really an enemy that's making you not to prosper? What are you going to do about it? I said, did you know what the scripture said about it? I said, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. When the enemy dies, the table is not going to be ready. When the table is ready, the enemies will see that God is much more superhuman, super powerful than anything they can do. They know that you are his vessel. When the table is ready, they try to destroy you, you are succeeding. Look at what, I mean, um, Joseph told his brethren in Genesis 50 verse 20. You taught it for evil, but God taught it for good. That is how God promotes people in the presence of the enemy. You don't need to kill all the enemies before God promotes you. No. You don't need to do that. Praise the living God. So, look at that. The Spirit came upon him because he has anointed him to preach the gospel. We'll find out the Spirit came upon him because he had already been anointed. He has an assignment. That's where the Spirit come. I don't know if you're getting that. Yeah, the Spirit came because he had been chosen. He had been appointed to do something. So the Spirit came then to empower him to carry out the assignment. And I will show you from scriptures. Praise the living God. Alright. So, we say that the word anointing is the same thing as appointment or chosen for a specific assignment. So what was the anointing of Jesus here? It was found in the same portion of scripture we read before. Said the captive free priest, the acceptable year of the rug. You understand that? Those are the assignment that God gave to him, which we have read already. Okay, so we'll make progress now. The anointing of Jesus is therefore what he was called to do as spelled out in that Luke chapter 4 verse 18. That becomes what? His assignment. 
which is now his anointing. But I'm trying to make you understand this, that there is something specific that God designed you for on the face of the earth. Something specific. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. And you need to come into understanding, realization of that thing that God really designed you for. As a matter of fact, if I'm going to go by way of my tomorrow, his purpose. What he proposed you for is what you're supposed to discover and walk in. Praise the living God. And that speaks about the grace. That is where Paul is beginning to say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Is that alright? Alright. So, let's make progress here very quickly as well. Now, you may ask the question. So then, why did the Holy Spirit have to come upon him? Let me answer that. Acts chapter 10, verse 36 to 38. Acts 10, 36 to 38. Praise the Lord. And so, when you, when you need the Holy Spirit to come to church, you need the Holy Spirit, this is what it's supposed to do for you, to empower you to carry out that appointment that God has given to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps you. Look at this. The world which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching. Was that? 37, right? No, I said 37. Okay. We can read this through, no problem. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. Go to verse 36. I mean 37 now. The word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of which John preached. Verse 38. How God anointed so if you want to read it now in the understanding that you have what would be how God was chosen I mean how God chose Jesus how God appointed Jesus is that okay okay of Nazareth which what the Holy Ghost now this is it and with what power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil God was with him now the thing I want you to see there is this when the Holy Spirit came, something followed it. And that is power. Why would power accompany the ministry of Jesus? Because he has to prove through the demonstration of the Spirit that he was the expected Messiah. Are you following this now? Very good. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it energizes you to function in that office that God has called you into. Anything that has called you to do, whether furnishing work, whether tailoring, anywhere you find yourself, there is an energy that you need from the Holy Spirit to enable you to do those things. Let me show you something that you'll be able to see. Um, very quickly, I think. Uh, wow. Give me Acts chapter 6, verse 3. I'll show you something now. Yeah, Jesus was anointed and then by the Holy Spirit and with power. Is that okay? Right. Wherefore, brethren, now this has to do with the deacons. Is that okay? Wherefore, brethren, look here among ye seven men of honest repute, full of what? The Holy Ghost and wisdom. These are men that were going to serve table, brother. You don't need power to serve table. You need wisdom to serve table. Are you getting what I'm talking about? For Jesus, you have to do miracles for people to know that this is the expected Messiah. For deacons, they need wisdom to serve table to stop the quarrel in the church. 
So the Holy Ghost comes on them and wisdom was deposited so that they can really manage the affairs of the church. And some of you call us Dickens. This is what you need. Are you following what I'm talking about? This is what you need. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, allow him to distribute, allow him to bring forth the very specific thing you need to be able to fulfill your assignment. For Dickens, what they need is wisdom because they were troubled in the church. And then the people said, we can't serve table. Let's appoint some men so that we can give ourselves to the world and prayers. Now those people that are going to be appointed are men that have wisdom to make sure that there is no trouble in the camp. So when the Holy Ghost came on them, they were full of Holy Ghost and wisdom. I'll show you another one. Act 11.24. Act 11.24. Hallelujah. Now, this is talking about Barnabas. For he was a good man and full of what? Holy Ghost and faith. Not power. Not wisdom, but what? Faith. And much people was added unto the church. Now this is a guy that sold a piece of land and gave the money to the church. It took faith for him to sell. It wasn't wisdom that he needed. He needed the Holy Ghost, but they call him. Remember, they call him the son of consolation. That was an appointment. That was a calling. That was an anointing. Are you getting that? Now for him to be able to carry out his anointing as a son of consolation to help people, he needed faith. So when the Holy Ghost came upon Barnabas, he was full of the Holy Ghost and what? And faith. You don't need power to sell land. I don't know if you are getting that. The faith to believe that no matter what happened, I'm selling this land, I'm giving it to the church. It requires faith. The Holy Ghost came, he got faith. Some of you, why you are unable to do what you are supposed to do, because the ingredient you need in your assignment, you have not discovered it. When you are even praying for the Holy Spirit, you don't know what you are praying for. You should pray, you don't just pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should give you what you need for your calling, for your assignment, for your appointment. Is anybody understanding this? Go with me to Acts 13 verse 52. See, the Holy Ghost came on Jesus with power. Right? He came on the deacons with wisdom. Came on Barnabas with faith. Hallelujah. Now, if you read from the top, time is not there. These were the disciples. They were being persecuted. Right? They were being persecuted, all of them. So the Bible says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with what? The Holy Ghost. In the midst of persecution, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you get that? What they needed from the Holy Spirit was what? Joy. Not the joy you get because you bought a car. This is the joy that, you know, Proverbs said it. He said, if you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. What is your strength? Nehemiah 8 verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if there is trouble and you are broken down, if there's trouble and you're losing faith, you lack joy. With joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is what enables Paul and Sarah to be singing while they're in prison. Let them take you now to any of these just police station, put you behind their counter there. You start crying. You start messing up yourself because the whole of your body, in fact, you need treatment now. Because 
Everything about you is disorganized. But here was somebody, two of them, locked up in prison and they were singing. What gave them that grace? The joy from the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is anybody following this? So when the Bible said God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, it's because of the kind of assignment that he was supposed to do. The assignment that God has called you to do will depend, that will de- determine what the Holy Spirit releases into your life. So when you're praying, you should pray without understanding. Lord, I really don't know what I need now, but God, you called me to do this. I need either wisdom, or I need faith, or I need any of those things. Is that okay? The Holy Ghost then distributes. Is that alright? Praise the living God. So every grace carried a specific grace um, within the Holy Spirit contents now. That power, joy, faith, wisdom is a specific grace that God releases through the Holy Spirit. Once you're called, there is something that God releases to you and for your own assignment, you just need that. Anytime you go to service, wherever you find yourself, that's what you need. Praise the living God. For if I'm, those of us in the teaching ministry, God have to give us wisdom to be able to, you know, articulate and pull right what we need to present. The presentation, it requires wisdom. How you present your materials for people to understand because you're teaching for them to be edified. That is to grow. Is that alright? So every ministry, there is something that is needed. And I'm saying, if every one of us is anointed, that means we are all chosen by God. We are all called by God. There is something specific we need from the Holy Spirit to enable us to live out the life that God has called us to live out. Praise the living God. I'm trying to say the anointing is not something you catch up in church. And then that is my point. And to make you understand that every one of us is what? Anointed. With various levels and various grades. Praise the Lord. So, the anointing we are affirming that what God knew what to be before we were born. I, I tried to mention that yesterday. Our anointing is the assignment God gave to us before we were born. That's why I said, if you move from being an engineer to become a photographer, huh, you fall in from grace. How many of you remember that? Good. So Jeremiah, for his time, was called as a prophet. He doesn't have to leave his prophetic ministry and jump into something else. No. Then he has fallen from grace. Because that is his life. Before I knew you, I found you, I call you as what? A prophet unto the nations. Hallelujah. So this is your destiny in the hands of God. Your anointing is your destiny in the hands of God. Praise the living God. So that's why you must discover your anointing or your calling or your you're being chosen, and then you can become fruitful. Because if you're not functioning in that area, that specific area that God has really called you into. Oh, come on, let's think about that. You see, we agree this is science. Why do you think, it's, sometimes we say, we are spiritual people, you know, whatever. All our mind is thinking about heaven, but now we are using air condition. This is not heaven. This is right here. But what's the meaning of air condition? Something that can condition the climate, the atmosphere. Is that okay? This is dominion. Let them have dominion. The man that designed this is dominating the atmosphere. Replacing heat with coolness is dominion. Now why do you think a a child of God is not supposed to be able to do this? We have the brain to do it. How many of you understand? 
You is, most of guys doing this thing, they are Koreans and whatever are the case may be. They are not even believers. How are they doing it? Because God has not removed that thing from man even after the fall. Is that okay? That is why Lemexon, Enos, also had to build a city. Even though it was outside the presence of God. After the fall, the son of Enoch, right, built a city and named it after his son Enoch. He built a city, but he was no longer in the presence of God. Why? Because the technology for man is still there. God has not removed it. That is why I say, be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. Reconfigure your thinking or your ability into working out for God or bringing out God's purposes. Well, what am I trying to say? You can't be an electrical engineer or sound engineer or whatever the case may be and you leave that and you are carrying the Bible walking the street. It's not bad. But, first of all, understand it. God must have called you to become someone that can produce this. That is your assignment. You just need wisdom to do that. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. You need wisdom to do that. I'm not of this world. Why are you using the microphone? Huh? I'm not of this world. You fly an aeroplane. And somebody designed it. Why do you think a Christian can't fit into those things? Because we don't have that understanding. We think that every man that is called must be the one that preach the Bible. No. Hallelujah. You see, look at it. God saw the whole congregation of people and decided to give you only fivefold gift. Why do you think is God stupid? He made it just only five in the midst of millions of people. Only five, five out of all. Fivefold gift. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, for the equipping of the saints so that they might be able to do the work of ministry. And like he was saying, you do the work of ministry not just in the church, in your marketplace, in the store, in the shop, where you are selling. Praise the living God. Like you can find the case of Laban and Jacob, like we're trying to read. Look at Laban and Jacob. The Bible may also understand that when Jacob was in the house of Laban, he never wanted to let him go. Why? Because Laban said, I have come to realize by experience that since you came here, my business shut up. Things become better than they were before you came here. There was something he carried into that place. The business of Laban began to spring up. A lot of things began to happen. Why? Because he was a blessed child of Abraham. The blessing that was upon Abraham was upon his life. And now that thing was flowing out, which was the grace that he carried into that place. That was business. It was not a preaching. It was not preaching. That was business. Is that okay? And when Laban was to cheat him, what did he do? He gave him an experiment in the night. Cut a poplar tree, put in the trough, when the animals are drinking, at the end of the day. By the time they bring forth their young ones, they have rings within their body. Specific animals were brought forth. What happened? That is genetics. That is biology. That is physics. Because from the optics, you'll be able to see. Look at your photograph. When you take your snap, Photograph like this, you know, the light goes in there and it's registered. In those days, when you print out your photograph, you're storing it at the back of the of the something. You print it out. So when you look at something, you register at the back of your mind. So what happened when animals were looking at that? It was entering their system, entering into their gene, and they brought forth. That was genetics. I don't, I don't even follow what I'm talking about. Uh, now that is to say, this guy demonstrated photographic optics, whatever as the name of physics. Biology, chemistry, ever before we start having them on the face of the earth. 
He knew them. It was right there in the Bible. Why do you think calling has to do with... Now, I'm not saying don't pick the Bible. I'm sure somebody's getting me right. That's not what I'm saying, right? But I'm saying God may have called you for something very unique. In fact, you are supposed to bring forth appliances that have never been before. There is something I, my wife bought recently. I was thrilled by it. In fact, it makes me feel like going to the kitchen. There are this pan, frying pan that it doesn't stick. Huh? You, you seen that, right? You cook anything, it doesn't stick. Even if we don't put oil, the whole thing is so cool. I mean, that is that is making this earth like paradise, transforming this world. And all the people doing this, they are just a, a bunch of them are unbelievers. Where are the Christian community? Oh no! Praise the living God. Are we following this? Our sisters today. All they know how to do is to slay on Facebook and uh, and whatever. Huh? They, they, ah. You see, they become, they've gone into the spirit of lost wife. You know what that means? Love while look back. So everybody now wants their back to be heavy. <laughs> the spirit of lost wife. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. Now today, what is happening to our sisters? Everybody is trying to develop their backside. Look at that. They are not thinking straight. They caught up with the wall. They've left the reality of who they are supposed to be. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to you? Let me give you some simple examples from the Bible. As touching specific anointing. And then um, my time is over already, right? Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> look at that. If you look at First Kings chapter 19, 15, 17, you have the story of Jehu. Jehu was specifically anointed, 1 King 19, 15, 17, to destroy the household of Jezebel. You understand that? And the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto the way to the wisdom of Damascus, and when thou hast come, anoint Hazel to be king of Syria. Look at the next scene. And Jehu, the son of Nishim, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shabbat, of Abimelech. Okay, whatever. Shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room? Go ahead. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Isaiah shall Jehu slay. And he that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Did you get that? Anoint these people for this purpose. What is the purpose? Destroy the lineage of Jezebel. Specific assignment. Does it make sense to you? Okay, I'll show you another one. So that you understand what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's take uh, somebody like Saul. 4 Samuel 9, 15, 16. That's your passages so that you understand. Saul, 4 Samuel chapter 9, 15, 16. And I, I love this subject in a way because I feel it keeps you on track and it gives you peace. Because when you know exactly who you are, what they are supposed to be doing. You don't have time for comparison or distraction. All that Maxwell is talking about. No more distraction. When you understand what I'm talking about, you can't be distracted. You can't envy anybody. You can't jealous anybody. You can't backbite anybody. You can't gossip anybody. Because you know you are satisfied, you are content with the calling that is upon your life. Amen? 
Now the Lord had told Samuel in his early, in his year, a day before Saul came, saying, verse 16, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of what? The Philistines. Very specific. Did you get that? Jehu to clear out Jezebel's lineage, Saul to destroy the Philistines. You just need to understand. But you can't be talking about anointing and you don't know what anointing stands for. No. It's a choice God made for a specific assignment. Praise the Lord. Okay. I just see another one. We just need to run a little bit fast. Otherwise, there are a lot of scriptures you can read on all of these things. But you can go search them out. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. That's the case of David. All right. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Is that okay? Right. Okay. Now I want to show you some things here. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. That is, he was immediately endowed with what? Extraordinary gift of God's Spirit, such as strength, courage, wisdom, prudence, counsel, liberality, and other excellent qualities that makes him an outstanding king of Israel. Wisdom, courage, boldness, all those things came when the Spirit landed on him. As soon as he was anointed to be a king, all these things came in. And these are the things he would need to function. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying now. Praise the Lord. So if you read it again, you'll be able to see the very definite function that he was supposed to. And I mentioned that to you the other time. I like this one. Very interesting to me. Um, John chapter 1. Let's look at 32 to 34. John chapter 1, 32 to 34 in the case of John the Baptist. And very interesting. Okay. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. What's that supposed to mean? Listen, if you read the whole story, now he said, No, leave it there. Brother, leave it there. 33 is fine. I knew him not, but he that sent me, that is God now, to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on, the same is he quick baptized with the Holy Ghost. Go on now and see verse 34. And I saw and I bore record that this is the Son of God. So get this right. God, all of the ministry of John the Baptist was to show whom the Messiah was to Israel. That was his calling. And he told him, listen, go and baptize people in the river. When you baptize them, because remember, there were six months apart. When he began to say, I knew him not, what is the meaning of that? How can John say he doesn't know who Jesus was? They are cousins. They are age mate, six months apart. So what does it mean not to know Jesus? What he was saying is, I don't know who the Messiah really was. But the man that said I should go and baptize people, in other words, he never knew that Jesus was the Messiah himself. He now said, anyone you see the Holy Spirit descend upon, that's the Messiah. And so when he got into the river and began to baptize people, this one comes, go, this one comes, go. And when Jesus finally showed up, the Holy Spirit came. And he said, this is the Messiah. 
And that's the end of his ministry. And as soon as the Holy Spirit came like a dove and descended. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit is not dove. Like a dove. Like a lawyer. You have to understand the issue of like. So the Holy Spirit is not dove. Amen? As soon as that was done, John ended his ministry. His anointing was over. And then he came out of River Jordan. The next thing he was in prison. When he spoke to Herod. Do you understand that? And then right in that place now. He was confused because that grace that he was working with. Have lifted already because the ministry is finished. And those he saw disciples go and ask him. Is he the Messiah? I don't know if you are getting this. The grace that he was working with. Have been lifted. It's no longer there. So he went. Go and ask him if he's the Messiah. And Jesus never said anything. He said. Go tell him the blind see. The lame walk. And the deaf are made to hear. And the dumb could speak. Just go tell him that. Why is he saying that? Because he expected from the whole prophecy that when the Messiah comes, these are the things that are going to happen. So he just simply told, he didn't tell them I'm the one. Just go tell them the blind see, the dumb speak. You understand that? And that was all. But that was the end. And as soon as John was put in prison, Mark chapter 1, 14, 15, the Bible made us know that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom, message of the kingdom and saying, repent for what? The kingdom of God is at hand. Ministry of John has ended. You got to know who you are. You got to know where you belong. You got to know what God designed you for. That's my concern for Christians and with Christians. Know who you are. Praise the living God. Look at all these things we are saying. Somebody did all this. But look at the Christian community. No, no, no. All we do is spend all our days in the night praying and casting and binding and calling witches and wizards. What is wrong with us? And some of us were even doing this thing. We don't have any to show for it. I was asked the question. Why do you think somebody came to other and said, they're after me. I said, you? He said, yes. You mean you? Say yes. Now, I'm wondering, what do you have that they are looking for? So that when you die, they share your property. What do you have? And I was asked a pastor a question. How many rich men have come to consult with you for counseling and all of those things? I hardly seen so many of them come to tell me a witch is after them. So the quickest way to overcome the witches is to be a rich man. Just make some money. And the witch will just give you a chance. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying here. I mean, we just need to come up out of all this religious sin and come into the reality of what God has for us. Can I hear somebody say amen? amen. Praise the living God. I am so interested in this. Anytime I'm looking at this sin, things begin to pop up in my spirit and I feel so, so bad concerning the Christian community. The way we live and the way we believe into coming to. And so, I'm going to be wrapping up again with the issue of Cyrus. We said that before, right? King Cyrus, okay. And so you look at that again, Isaiah 40, 45, verse number one. Look at the case of King Cyrus again. We'll wrap up from there. I'm sure I've been able to help you. I'm sure I've been able to give you some insight as to what it means. Praise the living God. All right. So, thus hear the Lord to his anointed. Remember. So, can we look at another translation now? Let's try to look at that word again. Anointed. I'm trying to tell you this. Don't let anyone fool you. Right? That when he pours olive oil on your head, 
that you are not dead. No. Is that okay? Are you listening to me? Yes. Not letting my fool you for that. That have nothing to do with God at all. It's just religion. Hmm? The chemicals that are produced. I mean, can we think about it? Even the olive oil you're buying from the market produced by an unbeliever. How does the anointing get into the thing that an unbeliever produced? And that consecrates you. We're just doing religious thing. It's the Holy Spirit that consecrates people. Hallelujah. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. You see, talking about anointed. Any simpler translation. I'm, I really want to see what that word if we can bear something else. But anyhow, we already know what that stands for, right? Anointed means chosen or called or picked or appointed. Is that okay? Right. So here we see. Uh, the Lord has chosen. Oh, glory to God. There we go now. The Lord has chosen Cyrus to be king. Period. Did you get that? Is the King James that's giving us a headache? You see that? Look at it. The Lord has chosen Cyrus to be king. Period. So the word anointed means what? Chosen. That's all. Did you get that? Yes, he has appointed him to conquer nations. He sent him to strip kings of their power. The Lord will open the gates of cities for him. To Cyrus, the Lord says, praise God. And I, I'm trying to tell you, when you walk in your calling, the doors will open, the gates will open. Kings can't stand you. No power can stand you. The devil can't withstand you. Praise the living God. Now, go to the book of... Remember, we said it in chapter 48 and the last two verses. We also explained. Just try that. Chapter 40. Sorry. 44 now. Go to 44 and the last two verses. And then we see what the anointing is. I'll try to explain to you what the anointing was supposed to be. The Lord has chosen Cyrus. Beautiful word. Instead of using the word anointed. Right? Chapter 44. Is it missing from your machine? <laughs> With a word, okay. I said to Cyrus, You are the one who will rule for me. That's why I use the word, my shepherd. King James said, my shepherd. How I many of you understand that? All right. You will do what I want you to do. Praise God. You will order that Jerusalem be rebuilt and that the foundations of the temple be what? Be laid. Now go to Ezra chapter 1. Let me show you something now. You can take from any translation from the book of Ezra chapter 1. Oh, glory. Mm. So this is now the calling of Cyrus. This is the assignment that God gave Cyrus. Are we together? Alright, I know. He keep on standing. Sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ezra. Now in the fourth year of Cyrus king of Persia. Why don't you take a simpler translation? It's a, the King James, I mean, um, Amplifier is going to kill all our time. Take a simpler translation. I mean, anything that can just reduce it, compress it, instead of amplifying it. Okay, now the fourth year of, okay, so, now the fourth year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Go ahead. Verse 2. This is the key. Thus says Cyrus king of Persia, all the kings of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me glory to God and has commanded me to do what? Building a house at Jerusalem which is what? In Judah. Look at that. 
Did you get that? Now he goes to know what his calling really is. Remember, I told you, when you say anointing is what belongs to the church, this was the king of Persia. He was not a church, he was not a Jew, he was not a believer, in quote. But God can use anybody. Jeremiah 25, we are made to understand that Nebuchadnezzar was a servant of God. If it is time to read it, he said, if you won't obey my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, I will put my neck on your neck. It doesn't matter. The choice of God is what anointing stands for. Hallelujah. So here is it. In the book of Ezra. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judea. And build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God which is where? In Jerusalem. He recognized the anointing upon his life. He knew who he was. He knew why he was made a king and chosen to be a king. Friend, this is what I'm crying for in my heart. How can you come to that place of really having discovered or coming to discover who you really are? I told you before, when you are born again, it's simply a process of self-discovery because you have always been God. You have always been with God. You came from God. You are a spirit being dwelling in a human body. The wisdom and the technology of God by the Holy Spirit is right now activated in your spirit once you are born again. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? So here is this man making this statement with the anointed man of God. And he's saying, this is what God said I should do. Now go up there. Let's go and build the temple. Let's go and let the foundation of the temple and build the walls. This is what I'm born for. This is what I'm designed for. Friends, who are you? You need to know. And I'm saying, you can know. And I'm also saying, it doesn't have to do with preaching the Bible alone. The Bible is the, like you used to say, the legal document. And the Bible is the will of God. And that's so important. Every will is written. And then to interpret the will, you have to have a lawyer. And so Paul John will call Jesus our advocate. What is he advocating? To interpret the will. So when you come to Jesus, you begin to know the will of God. He now helps you to interpret the will. Because most times, if you go to, you see, if your father writes a will, you don't just go down and say, this is a will, take it. No, no, no. A lawyer have to interpret the will in the law court to show you your portion. And that's exactly what it means to be born again. When you are born again, you come to the place where the Holy Spirit in Christ begins to interpret the will of God to you to know who you are and what belongs to you in the Father's house. Because every child in the Father's house comes to the place of inheritance. We are called to be sons of God, joined us with Christ, and then we are supposed to inherit that which belongs to us. That's why when you read the Bible, don't read it like a novel. Read it to discover the will of God for your life. Read it as a personal doctrine document to you. Don't read it to preach on people. Read it to discover who you are. Because it's the will of God concerning you. Right from where you were born into this world. From the spirit realm. He gave you the book so that you can discover who you are and know exactly what you're supposed to do. You need to read your Bible to discover yourself. Don't read it to preach on people. Don't read it to look for scriptures to heap on people in the street. No, you don't need that. You have to understand that the Bible is not meant for the unbeliever in the street. That's why you ultimately cannot go to the man and say hey, you must repent you are dying in sin. The man in the street is dead in sin and transported. They can't respond to stimuli. The law was not given to the people outside of Israel. 
It was given to Israel to live their life as a community of God's people. The Bible is given to Christians, not given to the man in the street. Until the man comes in, he can apply the Bible. Is anybody following what I'm saying? I would like to leave you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this teaching, and we know you have been blessed. For further information, please call 0815-556-8000. God bless you.